Okay. So we're starting now, and I just would like to begin with a really beautiful idea in terms of the specialness of affection and thinking of the idea of the sacrificial offering, which, of course, the whole Vayikra is discussing, and beginning with specific offerings that are we call a free will offering, that the person is on their own volunteering to offer, not something they have to bring. We could wonder, why, why are these the first laws we're told? Wouldn't we first need to be told the laws of various sin offerings, which is more the ones we're going to be doing in the section today? But the answer on a technical level is that no. Really, these offerings were first began in the first days of the inauguration of the tabernacle, starting on the 23rd of Adar and continuing for seven days, and then the first day of the true establishment of the sanctuary was the first of Nisan, which is actually two days ago, today's the third. And at that point, the Jews weren't sinning. <laughs> they just have a tabernacle. They're not doing anything wrong yet. So what the Jews offering then? Well, they were offering lots of free will gifts to God which is why these are the laws that were first being taught. But on a deeper level, there's also another reason why these are the laws we discussed. First of all, the offerings, because in the Torah we don't really see much about the intent of the offering, the purpose of the offering. We just see a lot of laws about how you have to offer it. But truly, the idea of an offering is, as the Hebrew carbon is from the root word karov, to come close to God. And truly, for an offering, we need to invest ourselves, our heart, and really be invested in this relationship and this coming close to God that this offering represents. Where do we see that most explicitly? In a free will offering, because the person doesn't have to give it. So why is he giving it? Because his heart wants to come close to God. So the same way it's so obvious in the free will offering that offering is about coming close to God, so too truly every offering, including all the ones we're going to read today, which are all about various transgressions, in essence, an offering is carbon, karov, to come close to God. So we begin today, we're in chapter 4, verse 1. And God spoke to Moses, saying, saying always means that there's something he should give over. So give it over to Aaron, to the priests, to the elders, and ultimately to all the Jewish people. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the soul that sinned accidentally, from all the commandments of God that one should not do, and he does one of them. So Rashi says, from all the commandments of God, meaning we are actually explicitly saying here that this type of offering for an accidental sin is not on every sin or any sin a person could transgress, but on only something which is a prohibition, and if one deliberately did it, he would receive extinction, a very, very severe punishment. If he did it accidentally, he offers this offering called tchatas, which is a sin offering for transgressing accidentally such a type of transgression. From one of them, from one of them, it says, to imply that even a portion of one of them, for example, on the Sabbath, we're not allowed to write. So you can't write a word. Okay, so let's say there's the word shimon, the name. If you just write the shin mem, shame, from shimon, that's already a portion of the transgression, but it's already actually in itself a word, 
And therefore, it is considered something for which one, if one accidentally did it, they would have to offer such an offering. And God forbid if one deliberately did it with witnesses and warnings, we would have this very horrific punishment of the extinction of the soul. That was the first verse discussing potential reasons for offering this offering for the transgression of a fairly severe prohibition. The next verse, 3, says, if the anointed priest will sin for the guilt of the people, and he shall bring close his sin offering, that he sin, a bullock, son of a cow, without a blemish for God, for a sin offering. So what we're talking about here, Rashi explained, is something that the person wasn't aware of. Again, this is an accident. All of these offerings are something that someone did accidentally. So this is an accidental transgression. And this is something that actually requires an action. If it's without an action, if nobody did something, it also wouldn't fall in this category. That's one way of understanding what this verse is saying. On a more literal level, this verse is saying, when the high priest sins, this is the guilt of the people. Well, why? The high, the high priest sins. Why are all the people in trouble if the high priest sins? Because he is supposed to bring atonement for everyone. He is supposed to pray for them. So if he messed up, we're all in big trouble. So again, on the simple level, which is the secondary way we're explaining it, saying if the priest sins, it's the guilt of the people, means if the priest sins, we, the people, are guilty because he can't atone for us. And as we said on the more midrashic level, the first midrashi explained it, the priest sinning means he's instructing the people, accidentally, of course, he's instructing the people to do something they shouldn't have done, which is why the priest sinned, but it's the guilt of the people. So we're told he should offer a par, a cow, a bullock. But that's a very specific word. So we question, what does it mean? Can it be older? No, because it's a par, ben, bakar. Ben means young, like a son of. So it can't be old. Okay, so then if it's a ben, if it's a child, can it be a young animal? No, a par, a par is an adult. So we're confused. It can't be young, old because it says ben, and it can't be young because it says par. So what precisely should the age of this animal be? Three years old. Not too young and not too old. So he brings this par, this look, to the opening, the entrance of the tent of meeting from the tabernacle before God. And he places his hand on the head of this bullock, he presses down, and he slaughters the bullock before God. And the priest, this anointed priest, takes from the blood of the bullock, and he brings it to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. To the tabernacle, to the tent of meeting, so Rashi explains, again, the tent of meeting means here the tabernacle. In the times of the temple, when they had a temple built, it meant to the courtyard of the temple. And he dips his finger in the blood, and he sprinkles from the blood seven times before God on the curtain which separated between the holy and the holy of holies. So Rashi says, it says to the face of this curtain, which means we're intending to exactly this spot of holiness, which means we're trying to aim that the blood should reach as it will be between the holes of the ark, which, of course, we don't see. That's in the Holy of Holies, but that's where we're aiming for. But not that the blood actually has to reach this curtain, but we're going in that direction. If it reaches it, it's fine. If it doesn't reach it, it's fine also. 
And the priest gives from the blood on the corners of the altar, not the outside altar of the animals, but the altar of the spices, of the incense before God, in the tent of greeting, tent of the tabernacle. And all the blood, I mean all the remaining blood of the bullock, he should pour by the foundation of the other altar, the outside altar, the altar for the burnt offerings, which is by the entrance of the tabernacle. So we have here two altars that are involved in this offering. We have the inner holier altar in the holy, where we're placing the blood on the corners, and then all the rest of the blood we pour by the foundation of the altar that was in the courtyard, that was outside the tabernacle structure. And Rashi explains all this blood, we means all the remainder of the blood that wasn't sprinkled. And all the fat of this bullock should be lifted up from it, the fat that covers the inwards and the fat that's on the inwards. So the question is, technically, the Bursha said it's fat. But here it's it's like an extra word and it says the fat of the bullock. So I'd have to write it so explicitly. I mean, that's the animal we're talking about. We know what we're offering. The Rashi says because there are other bullocks that we also were alluding to also need this process like the bullock of Yom Kippur, that all of the same offerings we're going to discuss, meaning the parts of the animal, uh, the kidneys, the fat, the diaphragm, all of those things also are offered, just as we're going to discuss in our bullock, for this accidental sin offering of the priest, also the bullock of Yom Kippur, we have to offer these same parts of the animal, of this sin offering for this accidental sin, this accidental transgression. And again, why are we emphasizing for the sin offering? Again, we know what we're talking about, so it's also to include another type of sin offering, a different one of a he-goat that was offered for the sin of idolatry. We're also, we're going to, with this accidental sin, we're also, we're going to offer again these same parts, the kidneys and the fats and the diaphragm. He says he should lift up from it. Why lift up? Because we should take the best of it. Nothing should be cut before we take off the best parts of this. Next verse, and the two kidneys, and the fat on them, and the length, and the diaphragm, and the liver on the kidneys should be removed. These were the parts that we just enumerated in the previous Rashi. Just like he removes them from the ox that we offer as a peace offering, meaning the peace offering was an offering where the priest gets a part, God gets a part, and the owner gets a part, which we haven't learned inside yet, and the priest offers them up meaning all these parts of the animal are offered up on the altar for the animal offering, the altar in the courtyard. So just like Rashi explains, that just like these parts are explicitly written with that ox that is given as a peace offering, or it's called a peace offering because like, it brings peace to the world because everyone gets a peace, everyone gets a part of it. So why do we have to say that? I mean, we're, we're already enumerating here all the parts that we're offering, and we're saying, oh, yeah, just like the offering by the peace offering. Well, I mean, we, we're already enumerating parts here. I don't have to also remember it's the same offering. Like, what difference does it make? But we want to make another connection between that type of offering, the offering of the peace offering, and the offering that we have here. So what's the connection we're making between them? Just as by the peace offering, it has to be offered for the sake of the offering, and if it was not offered for that sake, 
everything was invalid. Also, something else. Just like by the peace offering, it brings peace to the world. As I said, the owner, the priest, and God all share the portions. This offering also brings peace to the world, meaning now the person is atoned before God. So that's restoring the relationship. Then Rashi says, when we're looking at, at the way this, this verse is written, on the liver, on the kidneys, on the head, on the inwards, we're all adding, like saying, besides this, also this, besides this, also this, besides this, also this, for all of them. And the skin of the bullock, and all of its flesh, and its head, and its inwards, and its, all the in, inside intestinal parts of it. And you take out the entire bullock to outside the camp, to a holy place, to the place of the ash pile, and it's burnt there on the wood there, on the place of the ash pile it's burnt. To a holy place. So why do we have to specify it's a holy place? Because we had outside the city something specifically for not holy places. In other words, if something, for example, was made impure, the stones became impure, Somebody had a contact with the cemetery. They have a place outside the city where all those things go. So here, we're also taking it outside the city, but we're not taking it to a place for the impure. We're taking it to a place for the pure. Now, what does it mean outside the city? Well, in the time of the desert, there was no city. So it means outside all three camps. We had the inner camp of the tabernacle. We had the camp around it where the priests and the Levites lived. And then we had the camp around that, the camp for the Israel, for all the other Jews. Outside those three camps is what we mean by outside the city. In the time of the temple, of course, it meant literally outside the city. To the place of the ash pile, meaning that they would always remove the ash as it accumulated on the altar, and then eventually they had to put it somewhere. So they had this was everything ceremonial, everything significant. We have this significant ceremony of taking the ash and putting it to this place outside the city. But why did it say to the place of it? Because let's say there's no ash there. Do we still bring the pieces of the animal? Yes to the place where the ash would normally be put, that's where we bring the parts of this animal. 